and welcome back to Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. I'm Josh. And I am Justin. What's been going on? You know, not too much. Uh, big Blues win the other night. That's always exciting. Yeah, it's been a big week. Uh, on to the conference finals. Yeah, so uh, hopefully last time we podcasted, they won that night. So here's crossing my fingers for a win tonight as well. What about you? Uh, well, you just totally jinxed it. I mean, you know that, right? You know, brief rant. My school, for some reason, decided to play Gloria all day yesterday. And I told them, I said, you cannot play Gloria until the Blues win. You played the day after a win, and that's it. So. Well, technically, the last time they played, they did win. So it's, they're still yeah. currently having won. True. Uh, Y98 was playing that. All day. 24 hours straight, which is amazing. Yes. So anyway, yeah, let's get into uh, what we just nerded out on. Right, so I have been watching this television show called Titans. Have you heard of it? I have not heard of it until you told me about it, and now I really want to watch it. Yeah, it's so it's basically about a young. In case you haven't noticed, we watch like to watch shows that are Marvel, DC, you know, somewhat nerdy um, or pop culture, you know. But this is about a young uh, team of superheroes led by Nightwing, who used to be Robin. Spoiler alert! And he uh, combats evil and other perils. And it's actually based on a cartoon that came out in the early 2000s. Did you didn't by chance watch that, did you? I did not. Neither did I. I was, I was a little bit too old for cartoons. I was watching more like Batman uh, Beyond at that time period. Okay. I was probably watching Simpsons and South Park. Yes. Those are my cartoons. And so season one debuted in 2018 on DC streaming service, which, you know, I, I just, I don't know if there's just, a, there aren't a lot of things on there. I mean. Yeah. I don't know that it's worth the money to pay for it sometimes but this show almost makes me want to pay for it the show is pretty incredible um so some of the characters brenton thwaites i think is how you say his name he plays dick grayson who is nightwing tegan croft plays rachel roth who is raven anna diop plays coriander also known as starfire um ryan potter plays gar logan beast boy and alan richson plays hank hall uh, also called hawk and he was actually in another DC show, Smallville. He played Aquaman. Classic show. That Love pretty, that show. That was a pretty good one. Tom Welling, wasn't that the guy's name that played uh, Superman in that show? Clark Kent. Yes. I mean, I guess he does turn into Superman. But yeah. That's he not starts out as Clark. Spoiler not, alert not again. Not to the end. And then Minka Kelly plays uh, the Dove. Her name is Dawn Granger. And Minka Kelly is phenomenal actress. Let me say that. Um, she's in Friday Night Lights. You seen that show? I haven't. That is one of my top three all-time favorite shows. It's, so. a, it's on my list of shows to watch. I'm, I'm wrapping up Rescue Me, and then I think I might have to go into that one. Cool. So it's actually a sp- – this show is actually a – well, I'm sorry. They're having a spinoff series called Doom Patrol that is a spinoff of this series. And interesting enough, I think it's the second or third episode where the characters from Doom Patrol essentially like make an appearance, and they're in the entire episode. And then I think it's a couple months later – in real life, February of this year, they premiered the series. So nice. I, that's actually one I kind of watch too because the characters were, were interesting and, and again, it ties in kind of to this DC universe type thing. Um, the show itself, though, is just, it's dark. It's ama- it has amazing action sequences. It reminds me a lot of Daredevil and Punisher on Netflix. And just uh, a reminder to everybody, if you if you Google this, we just did it, we are looking at it, it's going to tell you that it's on Netflix. It is not on Netflix. So don't believe when you see that it's on Netflix. Do not believe that. Yeah, it's really really odd. 
But anyway, I I strongly encourage you to uh, check the show out. It's pretty great. So yeah. season one. It's on my list. So so what are you watching? So I I am one of the few shows that I watch live anymore is The 100. You, you've seen it, correct? Yeah, I think I'm through the first four seasons. We actually saw the live panel at Comic-Con a couple summers ago. Which has made me, which is what made me want to yeah. actually start watching it. So The 100 is a series. It's on season six now, which I'm live with. But it's set 97 years after a nuclear war has destroyed civilization. And the only humanity supposedly left in the world is living on a spaceship called the Ark. And they send 100 juvenile delinquents back to the Earth in hopes of possibly repopulating the planet, leading to, um, uh, spoiler, they're not the only people left. So the show is really good. It's one of my favorite shows. Um, season six, like I said, has started. It's based on a novel of the same name. Season one started way back in 2014. Like I said, now it's in season six. It just got renewed this week, I read, for season seven. Some which, is, of, which is crazy, because I, I was watching after season three or four, I remember thinking, like, how can they keep... Where do they go from Yeah, here? season five is kind of a complete reboot. Okay, all right. Um, well, yeah, so... Makes sense, then. It's a pretty good, pretty... Season five is okay. The first three seasons are really good. So then some of the main actors, Eliza Taylor as Clark Griffin, Paige Turco as Abby Griffin, Clark's mom. My favorite character is Bob Morley as Bellamy Blake. Henry Ian Cusick, he's been in a lot of stuff as Marcus Kane. He's in Lost. I haven't seen Lost. Oh, come on. Get well, away. I think it was you that told me the ending was that good, so I, I don't like to watch shows where I know the endings are terrible. Well, oh, <laughs> I, the, the jury may be out. That may be a similar uh, ending to Game of Thrones here soon. We'll, we'll talk well, about we'll that. We'll get into Game of Thrones next time because we have some differing opinions, I think, on that But one. I think the show Lost, however, it's it's so well written the first couple seasons. J.J. Um, Abrams was involved with that. And when he left, you could tell a, a serious change in the tone. Wow, anyway. that sounds really familiar. When J.J. Abrams <laughs> leaves something, it gets really terrible. Yeah, and they have to bring him back in to hopefully save the day. Another podcast for another day. Anyway, sorry, people. It also stars Alicia Debnam Carey as the commander, which I'm a big fan of her work as well. So, show has very good action, great character arcs. It's also not afraid to go dark. There are some pretty dark scenes, especially for a CW show. Kind of interesting to see. Yeah, I would agree. Usually it's, well, I don't know, CW has kind yeah. of been a little edgy. I think since Arrow. Yeah, it's on my list of, as well. Yeah, that one is a pretty dark uh, DC type, well, DC film or TV show. Yeah, so I highly recommend you. I love that show. Good show to watch. Awesome. So what we're going to talk about today, we're going to go full nerd on, um, are the best or also what we consider the most rewatchable romantic comedies or rom-coms. Yeah, I think um, hopefully people are excited about this one. I know we were. Yeah, so uh, we looked up some definitions. I just wanted to share these. They were pretty funny. Wikipedia says romantic comedies also known as romedies, rom-coms, or love-coms, um, is a genre with lighthearted, humorous plot lines centered on romantic ideas such as how true love is able to surmount most obstacles. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary says it's a light comic movie or other work whose plot focuses on the development of a romantic relationship. And finally, according to Urban Dictionary, it is the most vile, insipid, sanity-destroying, horrible genre in the history of cinema. You know, I think rom-coms get a bad name, but if you just kind of want to not have to think about a movie and 
see kind of a funny story. They're not terrible. Well, and I think that when you'll see from my list and my honorable mentions that there's there's there are potential there's a potential to have a rom com that also has a great storyline. Yeah, that isn't quite as cliche as the others. Yeah, for sure. So what do you got? What are your honorable mentions? So my start? I'll start my honorable mentions. I have Bounty Hunter, The Proposal, hilarious movie, <laughs> Pretty Woman. That's one of mine and my wife's favorite movies. You just love. Uh, I'm a Julia Roberts Julia fan. Roberts, I, you yeah. know, I am. I think she's good. Failure to Launch reminds me of my cousins, who I hope you're listening, Greg and Chris. And then I'm, I'm adding one that's not on here, Hitch. Forgot to talk about Hitch, which is, I think it's a rom-com for sure. Oh, yeah. Great movie with Will Smith. It's like a double rom-com. Yeah, you know, and it, actually that movie, you actually have the girl doing something wrong for once, which that never happens in rom-coms. It's oh. always, always guy meets girl, guy does something stupid guy has to win girl back and in that movie i kind of like the fact that hey like it varies a little bit well so. you kind of get both yeah you get both with uh kevin james and will smith right? yes yes so the movie that i picked was called nodding hill um we've talked about this before well we talked before the show that you have not seen it correct I think I actually have. The more I think about it and the more – we just watched the trailer a little bit ago. The more I think about it, I have seen this movie, but it's been a very long time. Okay. The movie was released in 1999, directed by Roger Michel, and it was written by Richard Curtis. We're going to talk more about him yeah. a little bit later or I, now. I just have to really quickly throw out that he wrote one of my favorite romantic comedies, is Love Actually. Okay. Big Rick, Rick Grimes is in that. So is Hugh Grant. Yeah. A lot of people are. This movie stars Julia Roberts, Hugh Grant, Richard McCabe, and I'm going to butcher this, Reese Ifans, who I love him. Uh, the Replacements, he's the kicker in The Replacements. Yeah, he's also in The Amazing Spider-Man. He plays, what, what was his name? The again? Lizard. The Lizard, yeah. You got it. So he can kick like a 75-yard field goal. He is amazing it's pretty in impressive. Replacements. Yes. Side tangent, my dad has, I don't know if he started it yet, but for – almost two decades now he's been uh, coming up with a screenplay for the replacements too nice what a weird movie to write a second a screenplay i know for the like, sequel. does keanu reeves come back riding a horse or something like in john wick or that would be kind of cool oh yeah it's like a it's like a it's a football movie mixed with an action kind of like um what's it called uh oh i can't remember it with bruce willis and uh, I'll, I'll, I'll think of it in a we'll second. think of it in a second yeah okay I think that's a whole that's a whole uh, podcast in and of itself. Spinoffs of our future spinoffs of our favorite movies. The last, the last Boy Scout. Oh yeah, is what it's called. yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah, maybe something like that. I'll ask him about that's it. That's got Damon Wayans in it too, it doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So okay. So the Notting Hill, kind of the plot of Notting Hill. Hugh Grant is a simple bookstore owner, and he only sells travel books. It's kind of a, a joke in the movie. Even though if you look at some of the books on the the shelves, they actually have way more books than, than travel books. But, you know. I can't uh, imagine there are that many travel books. At least yeah. ones that are, I don't know. Yeah, interesting. And and, yeah. <laughs> um, so his name, Hugh Grant's name is William Thacker. He lives in London in Notting Hill, hence the title of the movie. He has a roommate who's played by Reese Ifans, and he's just, Reese Ifans is hilarious in this movie. He's kind of that crazy roommate. I've never had a roommate other than my wife, so I don't really know what a, a crazy roommate would be like. 
but I imagine that I would probably get stuck with a guy like this in this movie. He kind of walks around in his underwear in front of the paparazzi. It's pretty funny stuff. I've had uh, I've had roommates like that. I, mean, I lived in a fraternity for okay many yeah. years. So, um, so what happens is William Thacker falls in love with Anna Scott, who is Julia Roberts. And she is the most famous movie star in the entire world. They fall in love. She comes into his little bookshop. They fall, like I said, they fall in love. Hijinks ensue. That he takes her to his family's house for dinner. It gets kind of crazy there. Her ex boyfriend comes back in the picture, and in the end, he does something stupid. Spoiler alert: they may or may not get back together. What do you guys think? I don't know. I really enjoy the movie. Yeah, that wasn't really I know, a spoiler. You didn't, I know. You didn't, I, didn't, I decided that I didn't want to spoil it. After then. you said spoiler alert. Yes. Spoiler alert. There is no spoiler alert. Yes. But it's a good movie. Um, I hate to use this term, but I think it's a cute movie. I'm turning into that, that 30-year-old dad who's getting to be more daddy as we go on. Yeah, so. you're getting soft. I know. Um, so, yeah. So we're going to talk about some, some fun facts, nerd facts about it. Um, so... During the birthday dinner scene, Anna Scott is asked how much she made on her last film, and her reply is $15 million, which is actually the same amount that Julia Roberts was paid for her role in Notting Hill. Interesting. Yeah, and then speaking of Julia Roberts, she was the one and only choice for the role. They didn't think she would accept it, but then they sent it to her agent, and her agent told her that, hey, this is like the greatest romantic comedy I've ever read. So she decided that, hey, I need to do this movie. It's interesting that she would be convinced. You think that she was? I mean, she's already been in what's considered like the greatest. Yeah, I mean, gosh, how many rom coms was she in in the '90s? So many. What, what's the pizza? Uh, Mystic Pizza. Mystic pizza. Yeah, but Pretty Woman is like iconic. Yeah, and then she's also in one of my favorites, Ocean's Eleven, which doesn't come out till after this. But yeah, I'm not sure it's a romantic comedy, but kind of, kind of is. <laughs> like, like maybe it's the character Ocean is in love with stealing. Yeah, or his ex-wife, Julia. All right, okay. That's more of like a... All right, doesn't matter. So throughout the movie, uh, believe it or not, Julia Roberts, Anna, never actually says Hugh Grant's uh, name, whose name's William. Whether it's a conversation or directly addressing him, she uses kind of like a fun nickname, Flopsy, Floppy, but that doesn't really count. Yeah, yeah, she never says his name. There's a rooftop scene in which Anna and William are practicing her lines for the submarine movie that she was in, and it was shortened and edited to remove some swearing from Anna in those scenes that it would have precluded a PG-13 movie. So in that in the movie she was going to be in, there was a bunch of terrible language, but they didn't want to have it in there because kind of an R-rated rom-com is not probably going to make a lot of money. Yeah, it doesn't do so well. Unless it's Deadpool. I am ashamed to admit <laughs> I have not seen Deadpool. I know my nerd oh, card should probably God. be revoked. I mean, that's that's got some romantic comedy. Uh, I've seen it on TV. I've it. seen like 20 minutes on TV. That's okay. about it. Okay, well, that's probably the, what is it, the PG version, the edited version yes. on TV. Well, don't fret because you can watch that PG or the R-rated version on an extended scene on the DVD or Blu-ray. So look out for that. Uh, another thing that's interesting is that the director, Roger Mitchell, actually, and writer, Richard Curtis, both wanted Hugh Grant and Julia Roberts um, as their first choices for the roles of William and Anna. But, of course, they didn't expect to actually make that happen, but as we know, they did. Yeah, and I thought this was an interesting nerd fact here. 
Hugh Grant was very critical about kissing Julia Roberts. He said she had a lard, lard, large mouth. He said she had such a large mouth, and he was aware of a faint echo as he was kissing her. So pretty critical of her. This really annoyed Julia Roberts. But she has since forgiven Grant for the comments, and she said, I am willing to work with him again. I think that's pretty well known. I think that's something that she gets kind of mocked for. Yeah. Having such a large mouth. Yeah. I know that it's happened in Family Guy. Whenever <laughs> they are, uh, you know, poking fun at her a little bit. Yes. She's got this gigantic fish mouth. Yeah. Which is just, you know, just mean. That is mean. <laughs> so, Curtis, again, was looking to icons like Audrey Hepburn and Grace Kelly to kind of, for inspiration for Anna. And I think Julia Roberts kind of has that, I don't know, that kind of personality that, uh, that you know, the, that movie star, like, elegant type persona mm-hmm. that she kind of conveys, whether it's on film or just kind of in the public, right? Yeah, I think she definitely, you almost consider her possibly the Audrey Hepburn of the 90s. She's yeah. probably the biggest actress in the world in the 90s and the 2000s, I would think. Yeah, kind of like actress royalty. So, anyway. Yeah. Something, something for the old timers out there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you're one of those big guys. Yeah, I, I, I know those two. Sadly, I've I'm never, not in my 30s yet. I'm only 29. I've never seen months. either. Uh, I've never seen really any movies with either of those two. Grace Kelly isn't singing in the rain. I haven't seen it. You have not. Wow. Yeah, and I'm a musical person too. Wow. That's yeah. Sad. Yes. Sorry. You didn't take Mr. Walker's lit through film class. Clearly, I did not. So, um, the final cut was three and a half hours long. Which, as much as I like this movie, I'm not sure I'm sitting and watching it for three and a half hours. So they edited 90 minutes out of the movie for the release. I mean, that's like an Avengers-length movie right there. Yeah, they basically edited out an entire movie. Yeah, that's impressive. Which is insane. Richard Curtis, going back to kind of the writer and director, when he viewed this maybe it kind of helped the cutting process. When he viewed the film for the first time, he found it way too similar to his previous film which is Four Weddings and the Funeral. Which, have you seen that one? I have not. Of course, not, no, we haven't seen the same things, obviously. But Four Weddings and the Funeral may be one of the funniest films I've ever seen. It's got a lot of British humor in it, and there is a love story kind of going through it. But it also deals with, well, different weddings and how terrible and awkward they can be. And then, of course, a funeral that comes from that a little bit. And it's just fantastic. I think that's what makes this podcast work, is that we kind of bring different nerdy styles to the show we each have we each like the same things but we have a lot of different likes as well that's true i'm just going to keep assuming that you haven't seen i'm not going to ask you that question anymore have you seen this yeah just i'll just assume, assume you haven't yes for sure <laughs> so to add to that the director of four weddings and a funeral mike newell he turned down the opportunity to direct notting hill because he didn't want to direct notting hill because he said he'd already done a notting hill which is four weddings and a funeral so he instead chose to work on 1999's Pushing Tin, which I have not seen. Have you? No. No. Why do I like this movie? It's just, I don't I used to make fun of rom-coms all the time, but the more and more I watch them, I'm kind of like, okay. I like it. This movie, I like the love story. I like the fact that it's this really famous woman and then just this guy who's this book nerd, which I'm also a book nerd, and he just he's able to fall in love with her and... It couldn't happen in real life, I don't think. I don't know, but I just like it for the fact that as a simple, plain guy, he's got a crazy roommate, and they fall in love, and he kind of helps her through some problems. I think celebrities 
date and marry normal people all the time? Yeah, I guess they do. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Josh Hartnett, I know, is married to a quote-unquote normal <laughs> person. Yeah, well, at least they seem to last longer. That is true. I mean, how many times do we see Tom Cruise marry somebody and they're divorced quickly? So Yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, so move on to you. Yeah, let's. So I'm gonna throw some honorable mentions out there. These are some movies that I have in my collection. You're gonna kind of notice these are a lot different than Josh's examples. Maybe not quite as heartfelt. He, you know, he's a little more emotional than I am. As good as it gets, which I think is just an amazing movie. It's a really unique love story. Big Fish as well, and. Uh, I just I, again, these are all really, really unique. Clueless, I just throw in there because it's just iconic. I think. That is a good one. Yeah, for the '90s, I mean, just the share, the share story, and kind of how she goes through and eventually finds her way back to uh, Paul Rudd, which is just fantastic. Coming to America. So I put this one on here. Very debatable. It, okay, all the all for those of you who have seen it out there, just want you to think about the 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 journey that Prince Akeem goes through. It is a romantic story and it's also a comedy so it is a a rom-com it just so happens to be one of the very few r-rated style romantic comedies fun fact they're making a coming to america too i just read this week yeah with with eddie murphy with eddie murphy and arsenio's back so i mean gosh this movie is from like 1983 it's been a long time it is amazing garden state which is a great film it's a really good indie classic in my opinion Another one that I think is unique to uh, consider a love or a romantic comedy, Knocked Up. It's a good one. Uh, right. So I, I, consider, I consider it. I already kind of mentioned Love Actually, but I have to kind of go back to it and, and mention that it's a romantic comedy in that there are like six or seven different romantic storylines. And some of them are not the traditional romantic that you would consider, like the, the guy gets with the girl. It, there are a lot of different scenarios that kind of – that are considered romantic. And I haven't seen that, but is that the one where Andy, I know Andy Lincoln's in it. Isn't he kind of creepy, like stalking the girl so much or something like that? And he's holding a sign at her door. He's not creepy. He's Kira Knightley. I I don't want to ruin the story, but he, he does have a slight interest in Kira Knightley, who is his best friend's now wife. Oh, so again, like a lot of these love stories Mm -hmm. are, they're messy and and they're just incredibly unique to what you consider a traditional romantic comedy. But it's just amazing how it all pieces together. And there's overlap. Hugh Grant's in that one, of course. Any British film made in like the 90s or two, early 2000s, he's in. Say Anything is, I think, the classic, iconic romantic comedy with, you know, In Your Eyes, John Cusack holding the boombox over the head. I just watched this recently. So that's why I put it on here. But it's Stardust. Haven't seen that one. Yeah, it, it's actually got the guy who plays Daredevil in the in the Netflix shows. Charlie Cox. Charlie nice. Cox, right. Good job. He's fantastic in it. Um, Wedding Singer, I had to put that one in there because it's one of my favorite uh, I don't know, comedies I guess I've ever seen. One before. of my least favorite Adam Sandler movies. Really? Yeah. You watched it recently? Not recently. It's been a long time. Watch it again. I'm a very, I'm a very happy Gilmore do you like physical comedy? Yes. Happy Gilmore, Billy Madison, Waterboy is my all-time favorite. Oh, Adam yeah. Sandler okay. Movie. So, yeah, we so, can clearly see that you like the physical hitting, like those, those yeah. kind of things. Yes. Whereas Wedding Singer is much more, I don't know, dialogue-based, I guess, or driven. Mm-hmm. Not that it's like the most clever movie in the world, but it's certainly got more dialogue than, um, what's it called? What did you say? I mean, to oh, show Waterboy, you my Adam Waterboy. Sandler, as terrible as they are, I love 
the Grown Ups movies. As terrible as they are, yeah, I love them. I just can't. I I, I know you're a frat guy, but the way that Taylor Lautner portrays frat guys, that's kind of what I think of when I think of frat boys. It, so. it, it has its moments. I'm not going to call it a good movie by any stretch of the imagination, but it's got some funny parts. And the last one in here is What Women Want. That is a classic. And I just like it. I know Mel Gibson is not a popular person anymore, but... Remade that, now as What Men Want. What, really? That with... Uh, she's in Empire. I, Cookie is her name in Empire. I don't uh, remember her name in real life. I've never even uh, heard of that before. Yeah. Um, well, the What Women Want version is pretty... Thin- yeah, What Men Want, 2019. You're right. All right, okay. Well, we have to check that out. Oh, it's even got... This is interesting. Taraj P. Henson. That's yeah, there name. you go. And Tracy Tracy Jordan. <laughs> All right. So, on to my choice. So, I've chosen a film called Gross Point Blank. And Gross Point Blank is a it's an action comedy crime film. So, it's got all three kind of going on there. It came out in 1997. It was directed by George Armitage and written by Tom Jen Kiewitz. Something like that. Yeah. John, Tom Jen Kiewitz. I apologize for that. Got a lot of people in it, actually. A lot, of, a lot of actors and actresses that are pretty well known. John Cusack is the main character. He is the protagonist. You've got Minnie Driver, kind of a love interest. Alan Arkin, who plays his therapist. Dan Aykroyd is a fellow hitman with John Cusack. Joan Cusack is like John's uh, um, administrative assistant. Kind of schedules his his hits. Hank Azaria is in there. He's in the he's in the FBI or Secret Service. Jeremy and Jeremy Piven, who ends up being his best friend from back in the day. It also has appearances from Jen Elfman and Michael Kubitz, who is, is that the, Abraham? That is Abraham. Is that? I put that on there especially for you. Mm-hmm. He plays the high school bully. That you know, it's it's ten years later, and he's. Of course, his glory days were in high school. The typical high school bully. Bully, jock, but he's very apologetic. He, he actually cries to John Cusack at the... We'll get to more of that in a second. So it's about a guy named Martin Blank who left abruptly right... Actually, the night of prom, stood up Mini Driver and left, joined the army right out of high school, didn't even say goodbye, and now he is a professional assassin. And the story is that he's been sent on a mission to Detroit a small suburb of Detroit, which is called Gross Plank, to uh, to assassinate someone. And it just happens to be the town he grew up in, and it's his 10-year high school reunion party that's taking place that same weekend. Interesting. Yeah. Let's get into some nerd facts about this movie. There is lots of reunion motivation. So, again, Tom Jankwicks, how do you say his name, I think? I was going to say Tom J. Tom J. There we go. Got a letter about his 10-year reunion back at Bishop Foley Catholic High School in Madison Heights, Michigan. He was in L.A. by now, trying to become a screenwriter, supporting himself by working at Big Lots and as a substitute teacher. I mean, I know we all make, all subs make thousands of dollars. So Mm -hmm. this motivated him to write the story, which I think is interesting. Jeremy Piven's character, Paul Spiricki, for example, was named after Tom Jay's best friend. And the movie's reunion announcement was a near verbatim copy of the real one. Right, and, and a little bit more about that announcement. His invitation when he's reading it to his high school reunion, uh, he, he kind of mentions, it says, requires attendees to dress to kill, which is funny. Funny, because he's an assassin. Mm-hmm. 
case you didn't, in case you guys didn't get that. <laughs> Go ahead. So, uh, Martin's invitation to his high school. Oh, we did. Oh, sorry, guys. To his high school reunion, which is tucked into the mirror. We did that one. We did do that I just one. Just said that one. Oh, come on. I know. Get with it. I'm slacking. According to George Armitage, he basically shot three movies simultaneously. One that stuck to the script, one that was mildly understated, and one that went completely over the top in terms of improvisation and energy. It was usually the third version that got used. Yeah, so pretty fun. So it basically said, all right, take one, do it like it's supposed to, take two, go a little bit crazy, take three, do whatever you want, improvise. If you watch the film, you can tell there are a lot of scenes that are improvised, especially with John Cusack and Dan Aykroyd. And maybe a little bit of Jeremy Piven. And actually, Cusack and Piven are, were high school friends, which is fun because they are high school friends in the film. Interesting. Jenna Elfman wears a body brace at the dance, which is a tribute to Joan Cusack's character in 16 Candles, which is just a classic 80s movie. This is actually her feature film debut. Debut. Yeah, Jenna Elfman. I, I like Jenna Elfman. She's, mm-hmm. she's pretty great. Uh, I, I like her in Can't Hardly Wait, which is pretty. It's another kind of high school film. T- oh, this isn't really a high school film, but it's about. It's actually about graduation. She's great in it. Anyway, um, George Armitage originally planned to shoot the high school scenes at Gross Point South High, which is again where this film is supposed to be set, but he was unable to get permission from the school board, which kind of makes sense. I mean, sometimes they don't want to have your school being the the story or the background of a film where think people are getting shot up, especially in high school. Probably true, yes. Right. So, and they also didn't want the person graduating from the school to become a hitman. So, like, I guess they didn't want current students to think, hey, here's a nice career yeah. you can go <laughs> yeah. into. Instead, it was shown in uh, the, the movie, the high school shown in the film is John Marshall High School, which is in L.A. That is an interesting fact. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. I think we were both at Afton, when they filmed Up in the Air with George Clooney at Afton. Right. So, but he's not a hitman. He's, he's not a hitman. We don't, that's not usually a job fairs. Yes. Pamphlets for being a hitman. So, don't normally do have like the Steve Carells of the world, the Michael Scotts. Right. So, yeah. Dan Aykroyd is another hitman who wants to form a union for hitmen, which is hilarious. You can Google the scene online where they're, they're having a shootout and he's trying to say, let's join our union, which to me is just, utterly hilarious so right yeah and it happens often throughout the movies constantly saying listen we should form this hitman union and it makes dan Aykroyd mad that cusack will not join which isn't necessarily the reason why he's trying to kill him but he's essentially saying listen if we join this union then these kind of disputes won't happen and we have more leverage and we can ask for more money it's just <laughs> it's funny to put that spin that realistic spin on a profession that is generally like solo people just kind of doing their own thing you don't think of like an organized union i, I don't know just Pretty unique spin on it that you wouldn't think of. It's great diet writing, in my opinion. There is a goon in it that is um, stark stalking Martin, John Cusack's character. His name is Benny the Jet, and he's actually a world champion kickboxer who was, in fact, John Cusack's kickboxing instructor. Interesting. Is Benny the Jet... What is the Jet in Sandlot? What is his name? Uh, what do you mean? That's Benny. It is Benny. Yeah, it's Benny. Okay, yeah, it is Benny yeah, the Jet. He's okay. The, yeah, he's the main character, and they yeah. call him Benny the Jet. Yeah, okay. Or I guess the second main character. He's yeah. the he's Okay, the that's what I was making best sure. Best baseball player. Can I guess? Yeah, okay. I thought so. Right. So one of my favorite exchanges in the film is, uh, again, Arkin, who is Cusack's uh, therapist. His name's Dr. Oatman. He says to him, all right, go back to your, your, your reunion. 
Don't kill anybody for a few days. See what it feels like. John Cusack says, all right, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, that's a little pun. And Dr. Oban says, no, don't give it a shot. Don't shoot anything. And, and, and it just the, the, the back and forth between those two, in my opinion, is just fantastic. And, and, I, and if you haven't seen films with Alan Arkin, like, see them right away. Because Alan Arkin is oh, fantastic. He is great. He is so good. He was even good in Argo. Oh, that's a great. <laughs> You're not a fan of that movie? No, no. I'm saying oh, I was say, no, yeah. he's amazing in that Argo. That movie is amazing. The movie's great as well. But great he, book, he himself, because he adds like this different level, like this levity to a, a pretty dramatic situation, mm-hmm. right? Based on a real person too, which is cool. Yeah. So in the movie, Cusack tells his best friend, his ex-girlfriend, who I believe is the one he stood up for prom, correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. Nate Driver. And her family that he's a professional assassin. Of course, not one person believes him. He also makes up other professions for his former classmates. I'm like, let's be honest. If, if you had a former classmate come up to you and say, I'm a professional assassin, you're probably going to laugh at him. Well, that's or what her. he says to basically everyone who asks him, and no, and, and no one believes him. He just keeps saying it because, it's a, yeah, it's such a random profession no but they, oh he's funny that martin he's a real character but he's just telling everyone the truth <laughs> yeah so what do you like this movie for justin yeah so i first of all i think it's just a it's a different <laughs> unlike other romantic comedies it just take, puts a whole nother spin on it um and you know i, I don't know it, it's hard. To, it's hard to put into words. It's 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 so, it's the point in most romantic comedies. The point in the film where someone in the relationship learns the truth about that's being withheld, and the couple splits up. However, in this film, the couple is reunited re- reunited um, after an apology. So, oh, I, hold on, I'm, I'm messing this totally up. I'm gonna have to edit this part out. <laughs> totally will. Okay. So, what do I love the most about this film is that. In most romantic comedies, there's a point in the film where someone in the relationship learns like a truth is being held or they did something bad. The couple splits up and then eventually there's an apology and they're re- reunited. But Gross Point Blank kind of flips the cliched apology scene and it essentially has it occur during the climax of the film, basically after <laughs> all these issues have already happened, as he's protecting her father from assassins. And also apologizing. It's just a different. It is. It's the. It's the end of the film as opposed to like the, uh, I guess the climax. What do you would call it? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, cool. so that's why I like it. It's just. It's different. It's a unique spin on a uh, on a romantic comedy, and it's hilarious. Awesome. So well, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that's. It's kind of it, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good podcast today. Yeah, just different. Um, I think we both really like romantic comedies. Sounds like for different reasons. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do a little bit of nerd outreach now. Yeah, so let's start with thank yous. Thank you to uh, Clayton High School, as usual. Thank you to my wife for letting me be here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted to make a comment real quick just to poke fun at you. <laughs> His wife texted us while we were doing this, and the name of, in your phone is Love of My Life. And it just shows the, the differences because mine is just the wife. Yeah, yeah. So... You're just a very romantic. Person. I'm a very romantic person at heart. I yeah. am. Good job with that. <laughs> also, thank you for making our amazing T-shirts to my wife. We yeah. now have Nerd as a new cool gear. We should have, we should have mentioned that earlier. So check out our Instagram, and you'll see us rocking some of the new uh, apparel right now. Yeah. We're going to have some things out there soon for yeah. people to purchase as well. Also, if you want to hear us, we are now – we're official now, basically – we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and 
as always, SoundCloud. Just go onto any three of those platforms and search Nerd is the New Cool Podcast. Give us a listen. For sure. And how to contact us, like or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, at Nerd is a New Cool Podcast, and on Twitter, at Nerd is a New CO2. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of suggestions from some of our listeners, and we'd love to hear more. So send us a suggestion via email to nerdisthenewcoolpodcast at gmail.com, or you can just tag us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, either using our handle or using the hashtag nerdisthenewcoolpodcast. For sure. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, guys, a lot of fun. Until next time. Go Blues. Bye-bye.